If I could have all the children up through, let's say, the eighth grade, come join me up front, please. Normally this works for Father Stan. Let's see if it works for me too. You ready? <laughs> I gotta get my finger checked. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? Y'all good? Yeah. So do you guys remember what sort of scripture lessons were read this morning? What was the first one about from Exodus? About a man named Moses. Moses. Good job, y'all. And one of the things he did is he went up on a mountain. You guys are smart, right? And our gospel lesson was also about how Jesus took some of his friends up on a mountain. There's a pattern here. Do you guys see it? Have you guys ever been on a mountain before? Yeah? What was that like? It was pretty high? Yeah? Snowy? Mountains can be snowy too. What was sort of like the view up on the mountain? Was it, was it, was it cool? Yeah? Do you guys like it? Yeah. yeah. What were some of the things you saw from the mountain? Trees. Trees. Houses. Houses, yeah. All sorts of things you can see from the mountain. Yeah. Uh, the sky. The sky, yeah. It's easier to see the sky from the mountain, isn't it? So we call that various, uh, going up on mountains, we call that a mountaintop experience, right? And whenever we're here at church, whenever we have a really special moment with God, we call that kind of a mountaintop experience, right? And that can be a really special thing to experience where you feel really close to God. Sometimes whenever we have those mountaintop experiences, we think that we have to, to go back to the mountain in order to experience that, right? So Moses in the Old Testament lesson and all of the disciples that were with Jesus whenever they were on the mountains had these amazing experiences, right? In the gospel lesson, it says that all of a sudden, Jesus was up on the mountain, and then he started glowing bright white. And all of a sudden, he was with two of his uh, friends, Moses and Elijah, who hadn't been on the earth for a long time, right? They had gone to be with Jesus up in heaven, but they came back down for that special moment, right? And it's this amazing thing. And I'm sure... Jesus' disciples there, Peter and James and John, thought that, oh my gosh, we have to try to recreate that moment and go back to the mountain, right? But here's the secret. Do you guys want to know a secret? You don't have to go back to the mountain to have an amazing experience with Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus wants to come and live with you and be your friend and have an amazing experience with you every single day. You don't have to go to the mountain. You could be going to school. You could be at your home with your family or hanging out with your friends. And if you just open yourself up to him, every single day can be an amazing experience with him. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Mountains are fun. And we should definitely go climb a mountain every once in a while. But you don't need to go on top of the mountain to be with Jesus. Isn't that cool? We could be at the bottom of the mountain and still be with Jesus. The middle of the mountain, you're catching on. A quarter up. A quarter up. 
Three quarters up, you are a smart young man. Thank y'all for coming up so much. If you guys want a packet, you can get a packet from the green box over here. Thank y'all so much. All right, Deacon John, bring us today's word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring you some words of encouragement. I don't know where you are in your walk of life, but I know all of us from time to time need words of encouragement. And uh, as I attempted this week to prepare for this sermon, I found myself over and over and over again distracted by the events in Kentucky. And for those of you who are not familiar with Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, they experienced a revival, uh, an awakening uh, that has now been going on for 11, 12 days now. And I would highly encourage you, if you've not had an opportunity to do so, that you, you go Google uh, Asbury Revival and read a few articles. It will be very, very uplifting to you. And so I will tell you that in the middle of this week, I was tempted to road trip to Kentucky just to just to sit on the sidelines for a few minutes and pray and to watch the Lord at work. Um, I didn't go because I couldn't figure out the logistics of getting back for this sermon. So, uh, uh, but but I will tell you that the journey down memory lane, the journey of previous trips to the mountaintop. Uh, refreshed and renewed me. But more than that, this movement of college students uh, uh, spread, spread to over 20 universities. And they began, because of the internet, to receive visitors from across the country and even from outside the country who wanted to show up and experience this renewal, this revival of faith. And as I contemplated that and tried to work on this sermon, I took a look at the mountaintop experiences of Moses and of Elijah, along, of course, with the, the transfiguration of Jesus. And I noticed some commonalities that I would like to share with you this morning. And as the history teacher, I have to do that in chronological order. So we will start with Moses. We will start with Moses. Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount that the path is narrow and the way is difficult that leads to the narrow gate where we knock 
and are invited to enter into eternal life in the presence of the transfigured Jesus. But the way is long and the path is narrow and the journey is difficult. And how do we prepare for those tasks? I take a look at Moses and I think about Moses' life. He was born in a time where the government wanted children killed. He floated down a river. He was adopted. He grew up in a foreign culture. He was renewed in his ties to his own fellow Hebrew nation only to be driven from the land and to live in exile. And then he experienced the presence of God in the burning bush and he resisted God's call to do work in the kingdom. And he resisted and he resisted but he did in fact relent and go and do God's work. And he was given the opportunity to see God's miracles in the presence of Pharaoh. And he delivered his people from 400 years of slavery. He parted the Red Sea he traveled into the wilderness. He presented his people with the law, with the rule 613 mitzvah. And they chose to say yes to the Lord they would obey. And it was at that point that Jesus went up onto the mountain. God was going to carve those Ten Commandments into stone for them to have with them always. And while he was up on that mountain for 40 days in the presence of the glory of God such that he reflected that glory back into the world when he returned, he found a people worshiping a golden calf the journey is long and difficult and the process of transformation is not a straight line. And he discovered that his work had just begun. So despite the mountaintop experiences, Moses had a longer journey and he had to go back up to the mountaintop and get a new set of tablets and he had to lead that generation for 40 years in the wilderness until the next generation came and we'd be given the opportunity to enter into the promised land and after all of that journey we're going to see that Moses ends his life standing on a hilltop, on a mountain ridge, looking out over the promised land, which he did not enter. And so the question as a teacher that sits in 
my mind and, and, and in my heart from time to time is how effective have I been? 41 years of teaching, how effective have I been? And there are times when you're teaching and you're teaching and you're teaching and uh, you're not seeing transformation. It's difficult to trust in the process sometimes. It's great when you see students who get it. Oh, it's magical. But Moses has to entrust his ministry to the next generation. And I, I just want to speak a word of encouragement to you this morning. Those of us who've journeyed long down the difficult path following Jesus might look out into the world and be discouraged. The things going on in the world might lead us to feel oppressed. We might look at the statistics of the percentage of young people walking away from the church when they go off to high school, from high school to college, and we might worry. But, but here's the reality. God is at work. The living God, the transfigured God, the God of power is at work. And there's always a Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. There's always a remnant of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit who have faith in the living God. So Moses had a mountaintop experience. But his journey was long and it was difficult both before and after that experience. But we can have confidence that God is at work. You see the same pattern when you look at Elijah. Elijah who represents the prophets prophesied in the name of the Lord, calling for repentance and calling for repentance and calling for repentance of a people who will be destroyed. But he had a mountaintop experience or two. He stood on a mountaintop and called down fire and brimstone on the prophets of Baal. The power of God. Surely such a display of the power of God would transform the hearts of people. And yet, Elijah is going to flee for fear of his life. The eyewitnesses want him dead. And he goes up into the mountains and sits down to die. Sometimes the journey can make us weary. And we feel like all of the words we have spoken have gone unheard. But the truth is, it isn't our words that has power. It's the 
words of Jesus Christ that have power. And God spoke a word to Elijah and called him into the cleft of a mountain and made his presence known. A mountaintop experience. And then he allowed Elijah to know that 7,000 people remained committed to God in a period when Elijah felt like he was the only one left listening to the word of God. Not only that, but God sent him on a journey to ordain his replacement, Elisha. And the mission of God continued beyond the lifetime of Elijah. The journey may be long, and it may cause us to want to sit down from time to time and give up. But God inspires us to continue the journey. And ladies and gentlemen, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the journey always bears fruit. I'm looking at Jesus as a rabbi, as a teacher. He's taken on 12 disciples in a larger group of 70, in a larger group. And he's had huge audiences of people, thousands of people who've heard him speak, who've seen his miracles. And yet, the majority of those have turned away. The journey is too difficult. The expectation's too high. But he has his 12. And he has journeyed to the northern part of Israel, to Caesarea Philippi, where he has informed his disciples that from this point forward, he is setting his heart and his mind and his focus on Jerusalem. All that he has left is committed to the idea that he is going to the cross to die for our sins. And his disciples have said, no, Lord, no, not that. And Jesus has responded, get thee behind me, Satan. He will not be deterred. Two and a half years of teaching and they don't get it. And his time is running out. And he's worried that they might sigh a big sigh. That they don't get it. And so he takes his favorite tree, and he takes them to the mountaintop. And they experience the glorification of Jesus. They're given a taste of what 
heavenly life in the future will be like. They experience the past. Oh, the history teacher's so excited. It's the past. It's Moses. It's Elijah. And what is it that Peter wants to do? Peter wants to just stay there forever. But you know, we don't teach the past so that we can live in the past. We teach the past so that we can live in the future. It's not about the past at all. It's about the task in front of us on the path that we face. What lessons can we learn? How can we get through those tough times? Oh, God the Father has to tell those three disciples, this is my son, listen to him. And they go back down the mountain. And James and John argue over who will sit at the left hand and who will sit at the right hand. They come back down the mountain to discover that while they were gone, the other disciples failed to be able to cast out demons. When they came back down the mountainside, Jesus told those disciples again, I am going to Jerusalem. At least they'd figured out they should at least remain silent because they didn't get it. They were afraid to show their ignorance. Oh, the life of the teacher. And yet, Jesus will be crucified on the cross. He will be buried and he will rise. And this experience on the mountaintop was never about the experience at the time. It was equipping the saints for the future. And so we see Peter in his second letter referring back to that experience on the mountaintop. Because now he gets it. Now he's been through Pentecost. Now he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he's been moved to look forward and not backwards. He's not motivated by the law. He's not motivated by the prophets. He's not motivated by the present. He's not motivated by a desire to sit on the left or right hand of God. He's motivated by a desire to obey Christ. And Christ has directed his disciples to testify to what they have seen and what they have heard during their life as a follower of Jesus. It's the same call that is on our lives today. It's the call for us. We are called at whatever point we are in our journey following Jesus to be renewed, to be revived, to be made new again each day, to be filled with the power of the Spirit, to testify to the power of God, 
to focus our eyes on the transfigured Christ and the future that he represents. We're called to testify to the love that we have experienced. I don't know about you, but I realized that I'd already had my mountaintop experience long ago. That the Holy Spirit was already at work in my life. And I understood that what I needed was just a glimpse, just a reminder to be encouraged, to be uplifted, and to be filled with enthusiasm and joy that the generation that follows us does in fact have in it those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. They hunger and thirst for Jesus. And they've been moved by the power of the Spirit. And so I say to you, be encouraged. Be uplifted. Look around you and feel the love of God and his presence in your life. And know that you've been blessed. And then... Then we are called to go out into the world and to testify to what we've seen and what we've heard in our lives and what difference it makes to make that journey in the presence of Jesus and his people. May the Lord bless us. May he refresh us and renew us. May he send us forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen.